Welcome back to the Friday Form Panel with Jason Bonington and Dan Malecki. Good morning and welcome to the Friday Form Panel. Great to be back again. Um, I didn't know whether Gareth was running the Friday Form Panel, so anyway, we've returned. Uh, I did hear his wonderful final chat there at the end. The great giddy-up Gareth Hall. J-Bon with you and also Dan Malecki. Good morning to you, Daniel. This is... A big weekend for harness racing with uh, the first ever running, the inaugural running edition, renewal, it's not a renewal, is it, of the Eureka uh, tomorrow night. We're going to be concentrating mostly on Melton, but there's no reason why we can't have a little bit of a chat about the Eureka and all the big races at Menangle as well. How are you, my good friend? Yeah, I'm very well. Thank you, uh, uh, Jace. I'm at uh, Melton today. We've got a day meeting at Melton before... Uh, a decent program tomorrow night, which features the Australasian Trotting Championship, a race that used to be a massive race. Now it's a decent race, to be fair. And um, as Archimedes ex- exclaimed, Eureka. Um, I think he was sitting in a bath at the time. So it was. imagine a nice bath, glass of red, watching the Eureka. It would all make sense tomorrow night. But I'll be here at Melton, so that might look a bit odd. Um, you can do it. You're Dan Malecki. If you if you if you would like a bath brought into the caller's box, there's no reason you can't ask for that. In fact, I I would think it's an opportunity to see exactly what you can get. Just say, can you can you give me a bath in for for Saturday night? And then if they say yes, well, then you go even a little bit further. But uh, yes, it was Archimedes. I, funnily enough, we're going to get off topic here for a moment. But I used to love bath. I, I don't have baths anymore. I'm I'm very much a shower man. But I used to love a bath. Do you, do you sometimes have a bit of a soak in the tub, Mr. Malecki? <laughs> oh, not particularly so, no. but I suppose the right type of tub, um, <laughs> you know, where uh, you could relax. It happens occasionally. It's usually when you're away on, on a holiday or yeah. away from your normal routine that that seems to happen. But um, and, and usually a, a really good person to share it with is important and usually a really good <laughs> bottle of red. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I reckon that might be the last time I got in one. Uh, I remember my my beautiful late nan said uh, it's just soaking in your own filth. So um, and now I I struggle to have a bath without getting that thought in my head. To be honest, uh, we will talk we will talk about the Eureka a little bit uh, later. It it's it, it's worked out really well, hasn't it? So for a long time, I thought well, I was disappointed. Put it that way with uh, harness racing, Dan, that we weren't a little bit earlier to the party, um, particularly when an opportunity did avail um, going some years back and it never uh, materialised or eventuated. But weirdly, now I'm looking at it going, well, the Everest has gone there and sort of set the scene and created something about slot races that we now understand. The Phoenix has done the same. And so now, even though we've got another couple of slot races, this is a different kettle of fish and it has... It has permeated, I reckon. I reckon. I reckon. If you just floated around and chatted to people who aren't totally into the trots, they would have at least heard about the Eureka and also the fact that the big guns have pretty much all made it there. So, I mean, you can't predict these things, but that's the way it has transpired, hasn't it? Oh, without a shadow of a doubt. And you're right. I I, I can't quite put my finger on it, and I'm happy about that, as to how well perceived all of these slot races in all codes. Yeah. Um, have been embraced Um, and I think you're right it steps over the mark of just the bubble and as sad as it might sound the passion within that our little bubble uh, is greater than ever but it's a little bubble so anytime we can penetrate beyond that is a positive sign and I think we've been able to do that uh, well and truly with this particular race a race that's for Australian horses only 
uh, and that to, to bear in mind, and also for three and four-year-olds. So um, the, the likelihood is uh, the future, whether it's on the racetrack and or uh, in the breeding barn, are very much a part of this uh, an inaugural um, Tabureka. I've certainly, I think, spent the last, um, I don't know, 20 years. Uh, I, I think, so you move with the times, and I feel like, particularly from a punting perspective and what punters want, uh, I'm very keen to understand what they need so that we can provide that for them. And I wrote an article about that, which was actually born out of our chat on the Friday Form panel uh, last Friday about, you know, how we possibly navigate stabilising markets. So those last two minutes we spoke about last week aren't quite so wild and frenetic. And I must say, I've, I've had a resistance. I had a resistance to the Everest. I, I've had a resistance to the idea that these slot races um, could have bigger promotion and, and greater esteem among the broader public than the traditional heavy hitters. But you know what? At some point, you've just got to hand it over and go, well, I'll tell you what, if... If a race like the Eureka is going to get people excited about harness racing so that they will then watch the Victoria and Hunter Cups and the Inter Dominion, that, that, that's almost what it's all about for me, Dan. It's almost like 2020 cricket. If, that's, if watching 2020 cricket is going to make people watch Test Match cricket, well, then it works. If it becomes a thing of its own and it, and it gets too big and negates the more traditional heavy-hitting races, the ones that we've loved for... For decades, then I think that's a problem. But if it, if it's used as a conduit, that's that, that's where I think it's best placed. Right, let's get stuck into race one. Uh, the Allied Express Rising Stars pace. I'm, final. I'm, I'm here. Yeah, I, I lost Chase. Well, if we've the connection with I've Dan, got Chase now. Oh, beautiful! I can. And I, I don't know what happened there. It just seemed to someone pulled a plug or. On me or or you, but uh, I was looking forward on, to on, uh, hearing what you were talking about, and sadly I, I wasn't able to respond. Please forgive. Just make just make sure, Dan, that if um, in your will, I haven't written one up yet. I better do one soon because people did think I, that I was dead for a couple of months there. So uh, <laughs> j- j- just make sure that something's written there saying don't pull the plug. <laughs> to really on me in that situation. Okay. Um, first event on the card. It is the Rising Stars Pace Final, and I I, I love it when races have. Uh, a few key winning chances, but they've all got slightly different narratives. So, Forgot the Wallet gets the benefit of the barrier draw. Pole mark and draw, perfect. Gate speed can use it. Major fire. Albie Ashwood comparing uh, this horse to Tay-Tay. Uh, and it was a massive win. The race was put on. And it was the weaker of the two heats, I reckon, or qualifiers last weekend. But was massive. And I thought Captain Pins was just extraordinary. They're the three key runners. I've lent towards Captain Pins. But I want you to talk me through it, please. Yeah, um, look, I thought there was three key chances based on barrier drawn performances from last week. Captain Pins was terrific. First up, he has to improve on that run. What I particularly liked about his performance is that he left the gate well. He, he had enough gate speed to hold a spot. Uh, so he was far more forward in the field than what he normally is. And, uh, and he was able to reel off good sectionals. So with room to improve... Uh, very positive signs for Captain Pins because previously he hadn't had a lot of racing where he'd drawn the front line, he'd been out of the draw and he's got his act together now and I, I think he's a horse that will continue to climb the ladder. Uh, we saw Major Fire most impressive again. Uh, not sure where her ceiling is as she's raced through classes here in Australia. She's unbeaten 
in uh, her six runs. Um, clearly very good off the speed. She's going to have to be again because she's drawn the back row. And she got a race that was run to suit by process of elimination. Um, she was far too good. She had her name on that race about 800 from home and she raced away and it was a dominant victory. Uh, the other one is, uh, is uh, Forgot the Wallet. So the stablemate of Major Fire who... Uh, has got gate speed to hold a, a forward enough spot, whether or not she leads, uh, but she could certainly end up box seeding and would be very dangerous there because she's racing particularly well and can find the line strongly if she doesn't have to use up too much petrol. Uh, I'm tipping Captain Pins. He, he might be just forward enough. He might end up in the 1-1. He could peel out in front of Major Fire inside the last lap or... He might be able to press his way on to the lead because it just depends, forgot the wallet being a stable mate of major fire, whether forgot the wallet's able to sustain a bit of pressure because if Captain Pins goes up there, um, if indeed forgot the wallet does lead, I think Captain Pins is going to put that pressure on and that mm. would probably help um, major fire in the back row. But he's also strong enough, Captain Pins, where he could sustain that sort of a performance. Five on top of 12, one, and uh, I found it... Uh, look, Diamond Eclipse is forgivable from last week. I thought it was a good effort considering because yeah. yeah. they didn't really want to lead. They were looking to take the trail, and he's Ollie, just didn't want to do it. And uh, Diamond Eclipse ended up working a lot harder uh, than what he would need, have needed to and still stuck on pretty well under the circumstances. So if he's drawn inside the back row and forgot the wallet leads, cops a bit of pressure, Diamond Eclipse is the other winning chance. So five, 12, one, and eight. Oh, it's a beautiful day, Dan. Uh, so spring has sprung. It's the first day of spring. I don't think actually officially, but it, it, anyway, it's the 1st of September, and we have gone to this first race with exactly the same top four tips in exactly the same places. Five, 12, one, and eight for me. Um, I, don't, I, I don't even mind if Captain Pins does nothing at the start. I just thought in a race that wasn't run anywhere near as quickly as the second qualifier of the Rising Stars series, the thing is, sometimes you want to watch, and we'll talk about this briefly when we come back from a break, but you want to watch if there's three or four horses charging home, that's one thing. Captain Pins went on his own and was able to just blaze on by them. Major Fire um, did the same, but the race was put on for her. So it'll be interesting. There are three key winning chances, I agree. Five, 12, 1 and 8 for me, exactly the same numbers. That's how easy it is for the punters. Not only a party horse, but a party first four. Let's take a break. Come back. Talk about race two, the welcome renowned silverware pace, and this is the most confusing race I've ever looked at. Back soon. Welcome back to the Friday Form Panel with Jason Bonington and Dan Malecki. We are levitating because Dan and I have agreed in um, pretty explicit terms in race one. Will it happen in race two? It's almost impossible. Now, what will happen today, again, Dan, certainly from my perspective, I know know sometimes you're willing to uh, uh, tip buy prices virtually, but there's going to be a couple of occasions uh, on this program. And I was very happy to see eight races again, but then I started to excavate and it was another very, very difficult program. This is the hardest race of all, in my opinion. So I'll be tipping one runner on top, but the runner that I've got on top, and spoiler alert, it's Kiyan Kamikaze. I've got it on top, but it's shorter than I would want it to be. So 
sometimes there's a moderation, isn't there, between uh, between what you tip on top and actually what you'd prefer to bet on. But I know sometimes you're willing to just go, well, I'll tell you what, it's a better price. I'm happy to tip it on top regardless. The question is, have you got even even the least like the slightest fathom of an idea of what's going to go on in the second event because I spent a fair while on it and I'm pretty sure I still don't. I've got one I'm really keen on. Okay, this is good. I like this. Very keen on a runner. Um, I see High Flux, who's got very good gate speed leading, but his form over the 2200 is not that flattering. So I suspect, I'm just suspecting, I have no inside information, that they might be more willing to take a trail because um, of a poor middle distance record. Very good over the short, and that was proven over the 1200 uh, last start. So I thought if High Flux was that way inclined, no more flying hasn't, no more lying hasn't got... Uh, much gate speed. There's a little bit of gate speed out wider, but Star Hunter has got yeah. gate speed. Yes, yes. And I could see him working his way to the top. He came out of the gate pretty well last week, got caught on a ling, snagged back, stayed in, got held up. Beaten margin suggests that he was well held, but um, I think it was a total forgive run. Uh, he had a forgive run prior um, and built up his fitness from inside the back row previous to that. He ran the chancer to a metre. Now, if the chancer was in this draw on the front line, he'd be challenging for favouritism, as he did last week, even though he was beaten. I think Star Hunter's spot on now, got the gate speed, that, that he could challenge high flux early anyway, um, but I could see him in front. Um, if he's not in front, he might be leaders back. They might opt to take a trail with a horse like he's Ollie pressing on, but... Remember what happened last week when he's Ollie got time to think, to try and go forward, and uh, he wasn't able to do it. I just think Star Hunter, he's a good bet because he could lead. He could end up taking a trail, which is less likely, or he ends up in a very prominent position and perhaps gets a trail. The only spot I'm not sure he could win from is parked outside the leader. Any other position, he can still win. So I thought $6 was good odds. I marked him $3. So I think you've got value there. But I'm basing it on the fact that he'll probably lead. Um, and if he's in the 1-1, he's probably a $3.50 chance in my eyes. Operative line's the other one that gets out of the gate pretty good. Not in my wildest dreams, I thought he would come up $4.60 and be more favoured than Star Hunter. Not to say that he hasn't got some each-way claims, but I would have thought he would be double figures, Jase. Um, Kian Kamikaze... Look, he's going all right, coming out of some decent races. 360, it's not inviting. Um, and the other one that I thought, Trueville's another one that I'm is worth forgiving. Just got onto the back of the wrong horse, had to come too wide. He was okay last start. Uh, maybe $13 is the right price. I'd be worth, I think he's worth including. But I like number three, uh, Star Hunter, very keen. at the $6 each way play, best bet, whatever. Five, he's Ollie. Uh, number 10, which I mentioned, Kian Kamikaze, and 7, Trueville. Now, there might be other chances. Lip Reed is going to have to do it tough again. He, he can be in the mix. Uh, Dennis has to step up to the Metropolitan grade, but perhaps the races he's been in of late are strong enough to stand up at this level. Very, very keen each way, Star Hunter number 3. I... I... I love this, actually, Dan, because, look, I got so perplexed by this race that ultimately I ended up having Star Hunter fifth pick, but I'm looking at that as um, not a blue, but, I, look, I've, I've got him in front. 
in my speed map, he'll find the lead. If there was anything that slightly marginally, and it probably shouldn't worry me, it was just the last 30. I mean, he couldn't get out at that point. He couldn't get out at any at any stage uh, last weekend. But that last 30 metres, he sort of just um, cruised to the line. But under the circumstances, you can forgive that. And look at the SP profile. Four runs back from a break, a dollar ninety against the chancer. 340, 260, and then turns up in, you know, a better race than this last weekend and was $4.40. So they know this horse is ready to win, and I have got him in front. But here are the other ones that I think if it's not Star Hunter leading and dominating the race, then the second row runners are likely to be the ones. I ended up with Key and Kamikaze, but I don't like the price. I marked him a $5 favourite, would you believe? Five bucks a field here. Um, then I've got Dennis in. Now, Dennis, obviously, in his traditional role up in the Sunraysia, um, gets into a much better position than he will here. But he has raced at Melton before. He's raced well. $9.50 seems generous. I'll tell you what else seems generous to me. Uh, Magic Mike at $12. You know, you look at the run between he and Kamika- uh, Key and Kamikaze last time. Not, not a lot between them. And Lip is getting close again as well. So 10, 12, 9 and 13. But I've been heavily swayed by the opinions of a man I respect more than any other. And his name is Dan Malecki. It's time for another break. And the news. Find out what's happening in the world. We'll be back very soon with more Friday. Four panel on SEN Drac on your Friday morning. Listened to that song for the first time in a long time the other day, and it really got me going. I've got another one a little bit later that I want to play as well. And great to uh, hear from Paul. This sounds very un-Australian. Every Paul Kelly song I find sounds almost. There's nothing wrong with that. If you've got a brand and a style, I mean, we've got brands and styles in the media, but every Paul Kelly song to me sounds the same. But I know you are a patriot, and you're you're probably going to fire back at me here. Am I right? <laughs> well, um, you, you could have picked a lesser known um, person. I'm sure we all have a favourite um, Paul Kelly song. So um, you're probably going to, uh, yeah, you're going to um, uh, put a few people to one side there by saying something yeah. like that. But I find a lot of a musicians, lot, whether it's band or not, I can often pick the band before I can pick the song. Uh, they have a particular sound. So. I'm sure that's just not attributable to a, a Paul Kelly, but I know where you're coming from, but be very careful how far you tread on it. <laughs> that's, that's, that's unfortunately what I... Dividing people is uh, very much part of my brand. The, the opposite of that would be Hall of Notes because there were a bunch of songs that I loved growing up and didn't know who any of them were by, and they were pretty much all by Hall of Notes. Race 3 mm. on the program is... I wrote a song so- for Ice House too. Did they Electric really? Blue, yeah. I wrote songs is that a Hall of Notes song? Yeah. Yeah, it's Electric Blue is, well, I think that's probably Ice House's best song as well. Um, Ivor Davies. Race three. Uh, Dream Maze, this is another case where it's just come up a little bit too short for my blood. I, I think Dream Maze will win. Metrospective Black Booker, enormous breezed outside Rikiro Rebel, drilled it into submission in phenomenal times, really, for the grade, and just got run down late. Uh, Never gave in, but um, huge performance, and should turn up and win this. The 1,720 metres, the second line draw, 
I think the minor in positions, which is the reason I didn't mark it anywhere near as short as a dollar seventy. Our little jet does it find the front. Kendi's butterfly, special place in my heart after getting it up at three hundred and fifty to one one night. <laughs> Cody Rockenberger, and I will tell you what, the, the one that I think is the, the overs is depending on how the how the race is run. I, I, I'll be interested to hear from you whether you think that our little jet can find the front and maybe Dream Mace just goes around them and might be able to find the mid-race lead, which is not something you normally see over 1,720 metres, but could happen here. But I'll tell you what, if it gets a cart into it, the class of Relentless Me at $9 appeals to me, Dan. Talk me through your thoughts on the third. Look, I think Dream Mace uh, stands out. She's going to be off the track, I would think, all the way and probably have to sit parked. I didn't uh, envisage her getting to the front. I mean, as soon as she got through the field and around them, maybe she, she could get to the front. But I don't see the need to rush. She showed that she's strong. She can sustain a run, and I reckon um, she could sit parked uh, all of the way here. And she may have to do that. Uh, clearly going well. Um, our little jet, yeah, I can see working to the front here. Um, it's not the fastest of front lines, is it, Jace? I mean, no. put me back in my place if you think there's one there that I, I've missed. Tic Tac gets out okay, but so too does our little jet. Our little jet came up slightly better odds than I had anticipated. I thought it was clearly the second pick, um, but a better chance if she was able to leave, which I think she can. And then you mentioned, um, well, you mentioned Kenny's Butterfly, who have got in the top four, and Relentless Me. Relentless Me still going okay, but is better at the front of the field, I think, than the back. I think Dream Maze is simply going well enough. She can make her own luck here. And even over the 1700, um, she's going to have to work because if um, the emergency does come out, always be a lady who's not really known for gate speed. So it's not as if Dream Maze is going to follow through a quick beginner probably be last, stay wide into the first turn, go on around them. But who's a death seat horse in this race that would be there and wouldn't want to hand up to her? I couldn't find it. So I think she's the horse to beat, 10, 5, 11 and 9. Yeah, so I'm looking at this two ways. When we have our little multiculture, and I finally got one up, lucky it was only the first ever edition of multiculture, but got one up last <laughs> weekend. This will be the second ever multiculture today. Um, I'll be putting Dream Maze in as... A pseudo-moral, which sounds counterintuitive because I'm saying that $1.70 is too short, but I think I'm happy to take the $1.70 if I'm running it through a couple of others, maybe not straight out, um, but I've got it clearly on top. I'm with you, Dan. And relentless me in for a second, just because I, I think even though we know she's not going as well as she can, but having said that, you look at this race and you think where relentless me has been and what her, mm. what her capacities are, and you just think $9 seems... $2.20 to place. Again, you know, we spoke about Vanquish Stride and a couple of others last weekend. Well, the two twenty dollars place, you don't have to be a hero in this life. You could just, if you just want to take Relentless Me, two twenty a drum, I just can't see that she's not going to get into the race at some point. And particularly if Dream Maze, I don't think Dream Maze necessarily has to be um, brutalised in the breeze, but if she doesn't get to the front... I think she'll run at a, a genuine enough tempo that the class runners like a relentless me will get their opportunity to get into the contest. The only speed map query for me, you're spot on, dead right. In terms of the early pace off the front row, it is it is minimal. It is limited. It is scarce. But her, but Albie Ashwood, Fernwood Miracle, we'll have him on uh, burning questions with, uh, I believe, Clayton Tonkin or Emma Stewart. I think Clayton will probably jump on and Andy Gath, and we'll talk about the Eureka as well. But I'll be interested to hear from Elby. Well, a couple of things. Race one, 
where he rates the the advantage of the draw for Forgot the Wallet and the advantage of the class for Major Fire and also here with a Fernwood Miracle, 1,720 metres. Why I like the short course racing sometimes more than the middle trip racing is it just inspires drivers to want to hold their position a little bit more, don't you reckon, Dan? I mean, I'm not... To be honest, I love the long trip racing as well. But the thing about 1,720-metre races with a preferential draw is you might know you're inferior, but you're much more likely to keep your position in transit rather than hand it up. And I think from a a speculation, uh, you know, a a perspective of watching the races and, and making them exciting as well as being able to maybe find a little bit of value, that's why sometimes I like those races a little bit more because you know that the drivers are going to be a touch more aggressive to, to keep their role in transit. Oh, there's no doubt about that. And, um, you know, pegs over a short trip particularly can be a, you know, 50 to one shot and you've still got sort of place claims generally. Um, so you're right. That's the way it's designed to work. And a lot of the times it does work like that, but there's plenty of examples when it, when it, it doesn't as well. But um, it also depends on the opposition, um, who's got the gate speed, who hasn't. Uh, whenever it's a, a probably this is a good example. There doesn't appear to be what you would say genuine gate speed, but our little jet's probably going to work its way to the top here, um, I suspect. But if it doesn't, it'll highlight that it was a pretty even line, um, which is good. I think it's a good thing. Hasn't Classy Dream been an amazing broodmare, by the way? Um... All the way back to uh, to Classy Western, I reckon, who was one of my favourites. Classy guy and now Dream Maze, who might be the best of the lot. So we are both, Dan Maliki and I, with number 10 here. I've gone second, third and fourth, 11, 5 and 9. Relentless Me, Our Little Jet and Kendi's Butterfly. We've got the same top four, but not in exactly the same roles here. What, what was the order of your top four again in the third, please, Mr Maliki? 10, 5, 11 and 9. It's close enough, isn't it? Let's go for a break, come back. We'll talk about race four, final leg of the early quaddy. And I am uh, I must say, I'm slightly embarrassed, but it's it's hard to be because you don't know what the prices are going to be sometimes. I made Lady Adelia my best bet on the program, I reckon, and uh, now I look a bit silly. It's $1.22, so I'll change it as we go forward, but Lady Adelia will be going in my multicultural later as well. Back very soon with more Friday form panel, SEN track, Trot's Life, back very soon. Another great song that I was listening to recently, and uh, they're a Christian rock band, Switchfoot. And I watched a, li- a little uh, a little series on Disney called Jesus Music, which I very much enjoyed. Race four. There's only two winning chances here, and one is likely to find the front and should be winning. Like again, but this is a regular occurrence. Probably again, is you look at these odds and you find a very short price favourite, and you think that's about the right price, but. Um, it's understandable that everyone's in protection mode. So uh, if they think it's going to start a dollar forty or dollar fifty, sometimes they're open to hell of a lot shorter than that with the extra percentage. And I think that's what's happened with Lady Adelia. I mean, she should be winning, Dan, but I don't know. Well, a dollar twenty-two is is winks odds. So um, is she an absolute? She would have to be an absolute world certainty. Is she thus? I, no, I, I don't think so. I mean, she she stood out to me. When I say stood out, like you said, I thought there was two genuine winning chances. Um, 
it, it, often I put myself into the position of the jockey or the driver. What would I do if I was in their shoes? And hopefully I'm well versed enough that, you know, I can think that way and, and often come up with, with the right scenario, depending on barrier, draw, um, fitness levels, all that sort of stuff. And if Kai Valley Piero can work to the lead, um, there's an option there for Chris Elford. Do I take a sit or do I keep my main danger to the outside to try and weaken its chances? And I thought that might be a ploy that Chris uses if indeed he can lead, um, which would then bring the two a little bit closer together. Can Lady Adelia sit outside Kai Valley Piero or will they just single out an Indian file as they often do when there are small fields? If that's the case, there still might be that slight advantage for Kai Valley Piero or am I underestimating Lady Adelia leading or El Razamo maybe holding them all out. Um, that's they're they're the very few scenarios that I was uh, looking at. Um, I think Lady Adelia wins in most of those scenarios unless she has to sit outside Kai Valley Piero, and then I'm not sure. I have tipped Lady Adelia, but at a dollar twenty-two, I don't think um, there there isn't anything to gain per se um, from Kai Valley Piero. Might be the value of the two. It's one of those races we get closer to the race, uh, a better opinion may form for one reason or another, or whatever information that you're about to add could be the difference. Uh, El Rosamo, it could run well, um, and uh, Sheepweb Weaver's capable of improvement uh, after last week uh, messing the start up. So uh, five, four, two, and six, but I was just angling at the um the one percenters the way that lady adelia can get beaten and i suspect i'm not certain by it but if if kai valley piero parked her that could be that could be the one way she gets beaten yeah no no i i agree look i'm splitting hairs to some degree because i marked them 150 and 250 you look at a dollar 22 three dollars and they, they've really given no respect to any other runner having any chance of winning the race and i'm not sure how well Probably nothing else can win the race. Probably. But um, I think Lady Adelia will come out to some degree. I think the key here from a, an early speed perspective is that Lady Adelia has got enough, I think, that even if Kai Valley Piero tried to kick up, Lady Adelia might be able to, to burn it off. Um, and that actually leaves Kai Valley Piero potentially at an awkward spot. Because it, the key here, Dan, I reckon, is if Lady Adelia can just ping then it doesn't give potentially even Kai Valley Piero the time to um, lob that position behind the leader that you've outlined. And then all of a sudden, the roles that you've outlined as a possibility are totally reversed and Kai Valley Piero's in the breeze and Lady Adelia is leading. And then you look at the prices and say, OK, well, that's about right. But it, this is all about assessing the, the, the likelihood of each particular scenario, isn't it? Yeah, that's exactly right. And then working out what, what value you're getting what the risk is worth uh, and at a dollar 22 if you can find a possible scenario that could be an achilles heel all of a sudden a dollar 22 doesn't look value but um we've seen cases where horses could be a dollar oh four and you just cannot possibly fathom uh, any other scenario bar them leading and, and i'm not saying a dollar oh four is always value but the thing you've got to worry about is a lightning strike or a sinkhole opening up, you know, whereas in this case, <laughs> you've got a genuine winning chance. And, and Chris Alford's very good. I mean, if you're going to get someone that is going to um, uh, be able to use to his advantage or, or plot a way to get a favourite beaten or his main danger, as he would perceive, um, it, that's the person you would want to do that. 
Well, the, the, the old philosophy, Dan, wasn't it, that um, odds on, look on. Now, you're going to have a very hard time in life these days if, you're, uh, if you want to look on every time it's odds on. But you look at these prices, and the, the comparison I always make is that Winks basically started somewhere between $1.20 and $1.40 in most of her wins and um, was unbeatable. And, and that is, I think, what people are going to look at if they want to have a straight-out bet on, you know... <laughs> A non-winks type runner in any of the three codes. You're just thinking to yourself. A lot of the time, you see, and, and I know people work it out, and they say, "Well, you know, maybe that's the right price." What's a dollar twenty-two? I think it's around, uh, you know, eighty odd percent chance of winning. And you might say, "Well, that seems about right." But then I think to myself, "Yeah, but you know, the great winks didn't start, you know, shorter than these odds." And this is why I, it can't quite be right, which is why I think it will compress to some degree. But it is also a factor that a number of the other runners in the race, every other runner in the race, is given no particular chance. Although I think El Rosamo is not hopeless. Saloon's actually got a lot of abilities. If it worked itself out, it could be a nice horse down the track. And Sheetweb Weaver is uh, in a similar boat. Race five, we'll spend some time on this. We've got about six minutes till the news. But this is the fast class for the Pacers on Saturday night at Melton. And hopefully people who are watching the big races at Menangle will tune into Melton as well and Trot's Vision, the Mimosa Homes Minutemen free-for-all. And it's a most intriguing contest. So you've got Kango, who, on what it's achieved over in New Zealand, it's beaten Akuta, it's beaten Self Assured, it's um, run third in Auckland Cup. You think it just turns up here and wins. First up from a break, no trial, worst draw. I've got. It's now getting out to a price, in my opinion, at three dollars, where I can't not have a bet because, even if it's not, how do I say this diplomatically? Even if it's not here to totally win, and there's bigger fish to fry, obviously. I mean, this is. I don't think I'm reinventing the wheel to say that. I still think on pure ability, it might just get over the top of them, but um, there are a number of other winning chances, and it's an exciting race because you get to see horses like Just Little Sip and District Attorney have their crack at, at the big boys and girls. So. Um, what are your thoughts? Is the three like the early price for Kango didn't interest me, but now it's getting out to three dollars. I'm just thinking, well, yes. What are you thinking? Mm, I must admit, I'm still perplexed. Uh, I mean, I think the price assessor at the tab was as well. When you look at these uh, giant fluctuation changes as well, but it wouldn't be the only one. Sahara Tiger five out to nine fifty. I certainly couldn't have it five dollars, but I did entertain the thought that it hadn't drawn. A front row draw, I think once in its last 12 starts it had, but it hasn't really got gate speed anyway. But Max Delight was about 150 to 1 last week, and open 15, it's in a 9. Bulletproof Boy, I think, is a really good chance. I still see him as a bit of value. Opened at 12. They're all over the place pretty much here, and it's a race that um, really, they, they could still be some wild uh, fluctuations uh, beyond that. Um, you, you're probably right with Kengo. Uh, with that sort of form line, it's easy to make a case for him. It's expected that he will need the run or improve off the run. Maybe that's a more accurate way to go about it. Uh, whether or not he's strong enough and tough enough after a break to do the necessary work and still win, I'm not sure. I don't know him well enough, except from what I've seen from afar, which is pretty good. If he came over here, he was hard, fit, ready for this race. He'd rightfully be the $2.20, $2.50 favourite, and I think you'd be comfortable to tip him. It's just a matter of who else are you comfortable to tip um, in the race, and I'm not sure. I, I Look, Bulletproof Boy is the other one that I could entertain yeah. uh, because he might come off the gate, look to try and lead this time, Bulletproof Boy, although every time I say that, he generally goes back. I can never really figure him out, but I think the horse is going well. Um, I... I, I 
Look, I'm still not sure. I haven't officially put my tips into the system yet. This could change slightly depending <laughs> on what you say. You've uh, got me to draw first blood. Five bulletproof boy. I think he is going well and the potential that Scott Ewan may come off the gate with him this time. Um, but we know also he's very good and probably better coming from behind. 12 Kengo. Um, also... I tell you who's seemingly decent odds, just a little sip. Um, yeah, would yes, love yes, to have yes. seen the $18 initially. And, yeah. um, and I think Max Delight's going well enough to entertain it for being a chance as well. There's plenty of other hopes here. It's a good race. There's a bit of depth. I'm not sure. I'm going to go wide in the quaddy. 5, 12, 7, 4. Look, I've gone 12, 7, 1 and 5. But, you know, I could definitely include, uh, obviously, District Attorney and also uh, Max Delight. So... Yeah, look, the way I looked at the race, I'm thinking, you know, we get some very strong free-for-alls. We had one not very long ago at, at Melton on a Saturday night. Here you've got, you know, the class runners, the ones that have been there in the established guns, Max Delight, who's who may or may not have forgotten how to win, Bulletproof Boy, who's very good, but uh, very, very good. And I don't think there's a horse anybody could love more than Bulletproof Boy, but he's a journeyman open class free for all that and that's why I just thought to myself well if Kango's good enough to beat self-assured Nakuda then this has got to be the right kind of free for all even if he's not driven aggressively that he might just be too good for them so I'm look I marked him at a dollar eighty and he's uh he's at three dollars so that's good enough for me uh then I'm going with just a little sip I've, I've just got a, a huge affection for this horse it has got speed to burn so too is district attorney but it's first up just a little sips had a couple of runs it's nine dollars fifty it's got to be overs and the eighteen dollars yes again I didn't see it I didn't see it at all and unfortunately couldn't take it the one runner and we both do this on occasions Dan I, when I did the form I thought you know when you think you've found one and you think Oh, good lord! This thing's going to be thirty bucks, and, mm. and and I can have a bet on it. And then I saw like Sahara Tiger. I've got third pick because of the pole marking draw, and he just absolutely thrives and lives for peg line racing. Yeah. <laughs> and lo and behold, then you go. He's five out to nine dollars fifty. It, 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 there's no, there's not many more um, flattening moments in life, is there? Where you, you don't look at the odds and you think you found one, and then you see the odds and go, Yeah, nah. Yeah, well, the race, if you could remark that race, whoever come up with the prices there, they'd do it differently now. Yeah. You, you know, you, you, your thought process can change. It happens with us when we're doing our form uh, as well. But to be fair, those fields have been out since lunchtime Tuesday, so they should be far more. I don't know, understand why they don't come out earlier in the week, even if they want to restrict how much money is placed on individual bets, just to better shape the market, because they seem to be all over the place often anyway. That's a good thing from a punter's perspective because you might be able to pick out a bit of value. But the earlier on in the week that happens, I think the better. Otherwise, I don't I don't understand why we have our acceptances done on a Tuesday when you can't actually bet on them until maybe late on a Thursday night. We might talk about this a little bit more when we come back from the news, but it's something that I like. I covered a little bit of ground with that article on on Tuesday that was on the forum at uh, at the trots.com.au and also harness.org.au and also in the Herald Sun, but. Um, one of the points that I, I can't get my head around is if they're profiling punters, then even if they're not letting them on for a great amount, if they see the name M. Leopard come up or M. Sidebottom or D. Carroll, if I was those price assessors, I'd be reacting very dramatically and very suddenly 
to even their small wages. But we might talk about that a little bit more and also get through the final three races and touch on the Eureka, the inaugural running on Saturday night, tomorrow night at Tabcorp Park. Menangle back in a moment. You win some, you lose more. For free and confidential support, visit gamblinghelponline.org.au. He's cutting them off from me. Um, that's a little bit of Oasis there, of course, the uh, the iconic Wonderwall. Now we've got uh, three races left to get through. Yeah, just touching on, there, there was a bit of ground I was trying to cover, and the thing is, in a sort of 450-word article, particularly when you try and build a, a touch of a narrative, Dan, I, I didn't have the answers to the questions, partially, but there are a number of questions that are around the stabilising of markets, and we've spoken about these um, dramatic fluctuations, and... You know, the great concern uh, from my perspective, and I would imagine yours as well, is that there is uh, sometimes a preconceived notion out there about harness racing from many years ago, which isn't accurate these days. But when you see um, when you see Yam Bucking go from $1.60 to $4 and then finishes last, and then you see Stir Me Up go from, you know, $1.80 out to $4.40 and finishes third last, well... It doesn't take a, it doesn't take a physics major or a um, somebody with a with a double degree to work out what the average run of the melt on teal to rate race to race punter thinks. It's not accurate. Uh, th- those horses were there to win. Their prices were just terribly wrong early, and it takes so very long for them to get to where they should be that it seems like something's amiss when it is, and, and that's a huge problem for us, in my opinion. Oh, no doubt. And it, it becomes off-putting as well. If you identify something you want to back and you know it's too short, um, now you're expecting they'll probably get right out uh, and you wait until too late, whereas we need as many people punting on harness racing than we ever had before. So um, the more, uh, I say accurate, the assessment is early on. I mean, uh, it's an individual. And, and while one could be marked wrong and too far unders, you're getting overs on other horses as well and an opportunity to back those horses. So I've got no problem with that. But remember, these prices are generally not available until late on a Thursday night. Usually the tab's first out and, and kudos to them. And some of the others follow suit with similar or identical prices that are maybe not available until sometime Friday. But there's more than two days. All Acceptances come out lunchtime Tuesday. So you've got all day Tuesday, you've got all day Wednesday, and then you've got all day Thursday until you know, 8 p.m., 9 p.m. onwards that the, the price is coming. There's three days. There's no money being invested on the main meeting of the week. And I think we need to change that. Part of changing that, either get rid of emergencies completely or have them listed as emergencies that can only start as if they were out of the draw. So they'll always start from barrier seven. The out of the draw horses are on the back line. Um, and do some things that are inviting for punters to want to have a bet early and reshape the market, even if you want to restrict the amount of bets that you have early in the week, uh, if the markets come out earlier. At the gallops, the acceptances are out uh, at lunchtime on a Wednesday, and you can start betting on those races within minutes. Uh, and I think we miss out big time in the harness. If that means we have to improve price assessment, prove the field's um, uh, selection, uh, as I said, the emergencies, which I've been big on, all these little things add up, and it might just improve the system a bit more, and it might help with the integrity with people wanting to have a bet on harness racing as well, because at the moment, and for a long time, 
there hasn't been anything to uh, attract you to want to have a bet early, except for that minimal chance of getting $18 about just a little sip, which probably, if you blink, it's gone. I couldn't agree with, as per usual, I couldn't agree with uh, everything you've said more. I I think it is also indicative, Dan, of the fact that uh, where we lack is, so second and third tier uh, punters. So you've got the pros are heavy hitters. Now, they're going to wait for most of the time probably for minimum bet limits, and particularly, as you mentioned now, they're thinking, well, why not wait until the fluctuations are crazy through those final couple of minutes because that's my best chance to get on. Then you've got the second-tier punters who are... Um, <clears throat> they they enjoy the trots. It's one of it's one of their uh, passions or one of their interests. They might, might bet on other things as well, but they enjoy the trots well enough to do the form early and to want to have a bet. And then you've got, obviously, the third-tier of punters who are sort of mixing and matching everything. But we don't have enough second- and third-tier punters, and we've got too many of the top-tier punters. And if they're not having a bet, generally speaking, early because they're happy to wait because they know they won't get on for enough and, and a variety of reasons, then there's that stabilising of the market doesn't happen until far, far too late. And I think we've made the case pretty clearly that uh, it, it, it just makes... It just puts thoughts into people's minds that, that shouldn't be there. And they're not, they are not accurate these days. They are not accurate these days. Are there thoroughbreds that aren't there to win sometimes because they've got bigger fish to fry? Of course. Are there standardbreds? Of course. But this, this sort of confirmation of a, an archaic mindset that... Horses aren't there to win if the fluctuations are wild is destructive and inaccurate, and it only happens because the price has come out far too short in the first place. We'll get through one more race here before a break. The Abul Julius Saliba Pace. It is the 80 to 89. These are races that I generally love. These are the horses who are sort of, um, they're all good name recognition horses, which again I think is very important for harness racing that you look at a form guide as you do in the thoroughbreds or the greyhounds and you say well I know these horses, I've won on them before but um, they're either trying to head towards a higher plane or this is where they live. I thought there would be enough speed early that uh, the class runners, where's the gold and the pirate horse, arg could get the job done. But having said that, the price about Major Collect and to me, this is a little bit like your Star Hunter situation before. Major Collect is a great chance of getting across the, to the front early and then probably being able to hand up to an appropriate rival. And the way it's going at the moment, it's definitely on an upward spiral. Talk to me, Dan. What, what are yeah, your thoughts? No, absolutely, I agree with you there. Uh, and I think he is able to... Uh, you just have to look at his run last week, the way he's finding the line of late. He's definitely improved, and he might end up uh, on the pegs and uh, and be a genuine chance. Ultimate Vinny's the one with the gates, but I thought could be the most likely to yep. go past him and lead, um, and his chances would improve. Where's the gold comes out of a, a race where he chased home a uh, catch a wave, um, and he was beaten a lip in a similar type of race uh, the start before. So I think he's going to be the horse to beat, but he'll have to work around him. He'll either sit park or come with a one run. Um, he's very good coming with a one run. He's definitely a good quality horse, so he's suited here. I'll put him on top um, from numbers three, Major Collect, five, Ultimate Vinny, and I've thrown in Arg as well, number 10, uh, who continues to race well, nine, three, five, and 10. I've gone 10, 3, 9, and 5. So, again, we're singing from a similar hymn book here. We've got slightly different Bibles. I've got the King James Version. I don't know what Dan's got there at home, <laughs> the Good News Bible. But uh, we're singing uh, similar hymns and psalms. I'm I'm just thinking potentially, um, even though it was 2,240 metres, and yes, where's the gold can get up uh, into the breeze quickly, 
Arg follows out behind Major Collector, who's the quickest beginner off the front row. Well, it will definitely go forward. I, I, I'd, I'd be staggered. I'd be absolutely flabbergasted if it didn't. Then Arg can follow through, maybe get in a, a little bit closer than where's the goal. So sometimes you've got to look at the draws, but then look at the circumstances. So I think Arg can get a, a positional advantage on where's the goal, and that's why I've got it on top. And I think the price is okay, $4.60. Over number three, Major Collect, who... Just gets so much to suit here and has proven this is the world in which he lives. Isn't it, Dan? Lead, take a trail, ultimate Vinny, even like Captain if it absolutely blazes out like it used to. But either one of those runners are decent runners. That's that's the other thing you've got to consider, isn't it? Yeah. Have I got an appropriate rival? And Major Collect does have appropriate rivals that will, will get him as far as he probably needs to go to be a winning chance. Yeah, no doubt about that. And you mentioned our captain as well. I wanted to get him into the top four also. I think he's a genuine chance. But all those horses outside of what's the gold have got, um, they've got good winning chances, but they offer a little bit of value as well. So I was split on trying to stick my neck out, find that value, or go with a horse that uh, might be the better chance of winning. So that's the way I've gone. Uh, the nine on top, I'm sure... Uh, uh, Tim O'Connor and his group of owners yes. will be happy to hear that uh, we think that he'll still be very hard to beat in a 240, so he should be. I can't see him starting $10. 10, 3, 9 and 5. I don't think Toc will uh, mind me saying. I think he's on the road trip right now up to the Harbour City with Luke Humphreys. I would like to be a fly on the wall in that car. What music are they playing? What are they talking about? I, 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 I'm a people watcher, Dan, so I'd, I, I would really enjoy that trip, but um, they're going to have an absolute belt. We'll talk a little bit about the Eureka before we close things up, but for now we'll take another break, come back with a feature event on the program, the Tab Australasian Trotting Championship. Bit to talk about there, and also the final event on the car, the Alabar Vic Bread Pace, which is very very hard. Back soon. Two races left to go and we have got limited time, so let's get stuck into them because this is the feature on the card, the Tab Australasian Trotting Championship at Group 2 level. You mentioned, Dan, this was was a great race. The hard thing these days, isn't it, that they just don't do uh, enough of these races or or, uh, program enough of these races at the top level. So you're sort of going in... I'm looking at Queen Elida, who I... You know, I've got a passionate relationship with. I just love Queen Elida. I think she's the best of the best and one of the most talented trotters we've seen in uh, many years, really, on Australian soil. But I'm thinking a dollar thirty-five. Things can go wrong. First up from a break, big mare. Uh, she's on top for me. But, but the other thing is, I don't know who else I'd want to back. Maybe Mufasa Metro at nine dollars fifty. What are your thoughts? Look, I think she's got to be a risk because she's first up and the reasons yeah. that you gave. She only had two stand starts prior. Sometimes a stand start, it's not as hard on them as a mobile, even though it's a long distance race. So being a small field, they're probably going to single out, be an Indian file and then just build to a gradual um, crescendo. Um, so how she starts the race, it won't be that important for her and where she's going in her preparation, but it might be to the result of this race. And, and I think... Um, well, I, I say she's vulnerable. She's going to be very hard to beat, but at a dollar, th- I, I couldn't take that price. I think she has to get out. She has to get out. And the horse that will firm up, I'm pretty sure, is Olivici. Yeah. He's a very good peg horse. Um, he just got too far back last time. His stable mates held a margin on him. That was immobile. He's unbeaten in stands. He's hard fit. He's got that advantage, I think, over Queen Elida. So I think he, he's, he's one of the better bets of the night, Olivici, number one. Um, from three, Queen Elida... 
who uh, can very easily put egg on your face because she's such a good sit sprinter. Um, she'll need to be, uh, she'll need to step away okay, but small field, they bunch up, you know, she's still going to be a chance at the 400, even if she's 10 metres off them. But I thought the advantage was there for number one, Olavici. He's got to step away as well. But if he does, I think that uh, he can cause an upset. One, three, six, Mufasa Metro, five, Bullion Harry. We keep underestimating him and he keeps um, getting uh, some results and taking some big sculpts along the way. So one, three, six, and five. Well, very similar again for me. I'm just taking the lily-livered coward's way out with the tips. Three, one, six, and five. I love Quinn Lider. Uh, I won't be taking a dollar thirty-five. I might take a trifecta and then have a small bet on Mufasa Metro. I'm not sure yet. Final race in the card. Ash Herbertson holds all the aces here. I'm Shadow Boxer should be able to hold the lead. And still screens, it can be a little bit sketchy at times, but should be able to hold the back of the leader. And you'd think that they are both very well placed. Post-game's going well. Monami is a class runner. I think they're the key four for me. The value seems to be I'm Shadow Boxer, but I've gone with the stable mate Steel Screens to win, Daniel. Well, the the pole horse I'm Shadow Boxer is a good beginner. Yeah. Uh, can often take a sit and be a better chance as a sit sprinter, but does it lead here with Steel Screens likely yes. to get the run of the race behind it? It looks a good race for Steel Screens. One well at Ballarat. I thought he travelled really good. Looked a winning chance in the home turn and maybe didn't quite finish it off, but they were running really good time. It was a, still a decent effort. And, uh, and if anything, this, this field, um, you take one or two out of that race from last week, um, th- that race was probably just that marginally stronger than this one. So good race for steel screens, but a lot depends on I'm Shadow Boxer holding up. Ghost of Time's the other one with gate speed that could cross them. He's good in front and has improved a bit. He's got stronger as he's got older. Monami, the race shape, you think possibly would suit her, probably suit her more of Ghost of Time led. Uh, and post games going really well. Uh, it was hard to fit them all into the top four, but I've tipped uh, eight from uh, one, nine, and eleven. We've done it again, but not quite the same again. Eight, nine, eleven, and one for me. Still screens over post game. Uh, Monami, you know, she's she's bursting out to win. This looks more of a more of an appropriate race than recent times. And I'm Shadow Boxer is the value because I tell you what, if there's no pressure in your lead. Maybe nobody runs on by. 8, 9, 11 and 1. Time for our final break. When we come back, the second ever edition of Multiculture, our best bets, and a short chat on the Eureka as well. Stick with us. Here are the panel's best. Settle down, Ike. Sorry. On. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, somebody texted in earlier and said, uh, "Do you not like Paul Kelly because you've done all the dumb things?" Uh, <laughs> bon, and, and I have, but um, sometimes it gets a little bit over. Don't call me off. Oh, Ike, Ike was a bad man, a very bad man. Um, what's love got to do with it? It's a great movie, actually. Um, Lawrence Fishburne, maybe. Now, best bets, please, Dan. You can go first. All righty, my best bets are race two, number three, Star Hunter. And each way, race five, number five, Bulletproof Boy. There's a couple of others that I'm really keen on as well, but I'm going to put them in my all-up. So I've, technically, I've got three best bets. Race two, number three, and then the two horses in my all-up multi-culture. And uh, my best each way is, uh, I think, Bulletproof Boy, race five, number five. Right, we'll get to the multi-culture in one set. Uh, basically, I, I don't have best bets. If I was going to have two at the prices, race five, number 12, can go. I've just got this... Filling in my waters that 
Kango, she's going to be too good for this lot. And uh, and then Arg, race six, number 10. Or Arg, the Pirate Horse, multiculture. So you've already outlined okay. it, but in clear, in clear terms, what is your uh, multiculture for tomorrow night, please, Daniel? My multiculture all up is race... Uh, three number ten, Dream Maze, a win into race seven number one, Olavici. Race three okay. number ten into race seven number one is my all up multi culture um, special. And, to, and, and I'll give you mine quickly, and then I want your tip for the Eureka. I'm going to go Dream Maze to win into uh, Lady Adelia, into um, Queen Elida, into Kangoa Place. Tip for the Eureka, please. Uh, okay. I think Le- Leap to Fame is the only one that's going to wear its traditional colours, and from a race caller's point of view, I like that. So I want to see the black and white checks. Leap to Fame. I'm going to go with Catch a Wave. And it's not just because of any Andy Gath connection. I just think it's amazing that a Miracle Mile winner can go around not as the favourite in this race. Great to chat with you, Dan. Fun as always, too, mate. Dave. Enjoy the weekend. Thanks. You too. Au revoir. God bless. Enjoy Come your weekend. Bye-bye. Okay.